0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off The Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Plan B is one of the most notorious Bitcoin investors in the world. He has amassed a loyal and engaged following on Twitter and has popularized the stock-to-flow model that is widely cited throughout the Bitcoin community. During this episode, Plan B reveals more about himself, including the fact that he's a member of an institutional investment team that manages approximately $100 billion in assets. In this conversation, we discuss Plan B's discovery of Bitcoin, what it took to get him comfortable enough to invest, how he came across the stock-to-flow model, why his team hasn't bought Bitcoin in their institutional funds yet, and why Plan B believes the stock-to-flow model is actually getting more accurate over time. This was an incredible episode that I really enjoyed. But before we get into it, I want to talk about our three sponsors as well. The first is Crypto.com, a pioneering payment and cryptocurrency platform that seeks to accelerate the world's transition to cryptocurrency. They have a vision to put cryptocurrency in every wallet, which is frankly why we're all here. The Crypto.com app offers a full range of financial products with competitive pricing, well-designed user experience, and high security. It is the best place to buy, sell, and pay with crypto. They've been longtime supporters of this podcast, and they keep launching new product after new product. So do yourself a favor and go to Crypto.com to check them out. Crypto.com, the place where mass adoption is occurring. The second sponsor is Taxbit. Taxbit makes your taxes around Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies super dead simple. The IRS recently released new tax forms for the 2019 tax year, which require all taxpayers to attest to whether they traded crypto during the year. If so, you must file an IRS 8949 form, which reports your capital gains and losses. TaxBit automates your cryptocurrency taxes, enabling you to effortlessly track, calculate and report your transactions. You can easily connect your exchanges to securely sync your transactions and run them through TaxBit's tax engine. Generate your completed tax reforms with a single click. The company was founded by tax attorneys and CPAs. TaxBit is the most trusted cryptocurrency tax solution. You can get 10% off your tax plan today with a free trial by going to www.taxbit.com invite slash pomp. Again, taxbit.com invite slash pomp. Get a free trial with 10% off. Get your taxes paid before tax day. Lastly, Travella. Travella is the world's leading blockchain-based travel booking platform trusted by thousands of customers worldwide as their preferred online travel agency. You can save up to 40% on travel bookings when you're using Travella.com, they've got over 2 million listings in 230 countries and territories, they've got a partnership with Booking.com, and you can use 25 different cryptocurrencies and fiat currencies, credit, debit cards, and PayPal. The leading cryptocurrency-friendly hotel and accommodation booking service with 2 million plus properties, 230 countries, and a champion of cryptocurrency adoption, accepting over 20 leading cryptocurrencies in addition to traditional payment methods. Travela.com. That's T-R-A-V-A-L-A.com. Travela.com, use them for your next trip. All right, let's get into this episode with plan B, my guy killed it. You guys are gonna love this one. I hope that you guys share it online after you listen to it. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. A very special treat today. Uh, I have plan B with us. Uh, You have become a legend on the Internet, uh, sir. So thanks so much for coming on and doing this. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, Okay, so many people know you as uh, the Twitter account that took the Internet by storm and just started dropping uh, tons of graphs and charts and all of this kind of uh, intelligent analysis of Bitcoin and Bitcoin price, etc., uh, but you actually have a real job, like a day job. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background and then kind of what you do day-to-day uh, today.
1: Sure, I can go a little bit further than I've done in the past. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a Dutchman, um, which you might hear. Um, I'm mid-40s and I'm an inf- institutional investor. So I have a day job, um, it's a full-time job. Twitter is a, um, an evening and weekend project for me. Um, but uh, yeah, the investing part is what I do. Uh, I have an economics uh, degree and a law degree, economics uh, in, in quantitative uh, finance and a law degree in bank uh, bank and financial markets law. Um, actually, my first job was at a, a dealing room uh, in Germany where we did Avex trading, and I got to know all the uh, technical analysis uh, indicators, which which was really fun and and um, and there were a lot of them. So. Um, actually, that was also when I experienced my first crash in 1998. The uh, the Asian Tigers went belly up. Um, also, Russia, I think, and uh, and some hedge fund, long time capital management, with all the Nobel Prize uh, winners in it. <laughs> so, so that was that was a, a frightening experience um, uh, right then. And from there, I, I moved to banking and. Um, where I was responsible for uh, asset liability management and uh, capital management from a small bank. But it was a totally different game from uh, a, a dealing room where you were responsible for, well, uh, maybe a couple of million. Uh, at the bank, it was a couple of billion. And, well, yeah, that's a couple of zeros, but it also changes the whole uh, um, game. Uh, and, um, yeah. Uh, there I experienced the uh, 2000 crash uh, the dot com uh, bubble when it popped and also the aftermath with uh, regulation uh, in Europe that was Basel uh, capital regulation Basel uh, two at the time so we implemented that and and after that I I, uh, I moved on to pension balance sheets so uh, life and pension balance sheet and the, the fun thing there it's even bigger than bank balance sheets. Um, so this was um, uh, a tens and, and even uh, hundreds of billions of uh, assets to manage, uh, a lot of mortgages in there. So that was one of my, my main assets um, on the balance sheets, did a lot of securitization, especially with my legal background. Um, I, I was quickly drawn to structured finance. Uh, so basically all the stuff that that you see in the, in the big short movie. Um, that that could be that was literally my 2008 uh, year, and um, yeah, I, I really learned a, a lot of that because yeah, 2008. I think everybody who worked um, in in investment and 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 was close to the fire sort of knew what was coming because um, spreads were were widening, and and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't a total surprise. Uh, what was a total surprise was uh, what the central banks did after that—the um, quantitative easing that started and the and the, uh, the very low and even negative interest rates in the, in Europe. So that, yeah, I I experienced that from from my job from uh, on a day to day basis, but it also also made me question uh, uh, the system and. Uh, and it made me looking for for hedges and 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 yeah, alternatives, Plan Bs, if you will, for uh, for uh, for the assets that we had on the balance sheet. And and that's how I I came across uh, Bitcoin. Uh, I actually read the white paper in two thousand thirteen. It's a little late, but still, um, it hooked me from the start. But the the price was of course uh, very high at the end of two thousand thirteen. It just went ten x. And I didn't buy, uh, uh, and 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 a year later it was it was a hundred dollars again. So my first investment in in um, in Bitcoin that was a private investment, not not as an institutional investor, was in 2015, uh, and that's also when I started lurking the uh, Twitter accounts for for information, just just lurking information, not not actively posting. My first post was actually the. Uh, uh, March uh, tw- uh, two thousand nineteen article about stock to flow, and well, yeah. F- from then on, it's 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 uh, it's yeah, crazy. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: Seventy thousand followers. I, yeah, it, it's it's hard to do it next to a normal job, and uh, but I I, I managed till now.
0: Uh, see where that goes. For sure. So one of the things I want to talk a little bit more about is uh, you you said that in two thousand and eight the. Uh, housing crisis, those who were kind of close to it saw it coming. Maybe explain that a little bit more um, and then talk through the things that those uh, who saw it coming, what did they do, um, and kind of how they weathered that storm, uh, and then we can get into kind of what that might mean for uh, potential situations, you know, today moving forward.
1: Yeah, well, especially those close to um, the the, uh, uh, RMBS and and the... uh, the housing uh, investment, the, the mortgage investments, they saw it coming, because uh, yeah, what you do is you chop up uh, mortgages and and you structure them in a way um, that that results in, in mortgage bonds and and you sell them and the spreads on those mortgage bonds and and what what goes in those mortgage bonds is it was changing over time, so it 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 went from from very good quality to a little less quality to really really bad quality. Uh, especially of course in the US but uh, as european investors you could see sort of what what was in there um and and uh and also you saw spreads uh widening so the credit default spreads of a lot of those com- uh, companies and if spreads widen that means the risk is is uh, is, is is increasing and something is is increasing some yeah, something is going on, and and you don't know what, but you you know there's volatility coming, and um, I sometimes compare it because um, it's 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 really easy to say that uh, with hindsight, oh everybody saw it coming, yeah, that that was close, but it's the feeling is a bit bit like today with the negative interest rates and um, very low interest rates in the U.S. that you yeah you somehow know this is not normal you somehow know this can go f- forever but well yeah you have to invest and you you're your part that's part of your day-to-day job and and that was the same in 2008
0: got it and and so when you came across Bitcoin coming out of that situation um, you described a little bit about reading the white paper but was it a hey this is interesting but no way it'll work uh, or was there some other reaction that you had because I think that um, your experience, especially given kind of uh, a very, um, you know high degree of knowledge and expertise in finance and, and institutional investing, et cetera. Uh, there's a lot of people in your seat who had the same reaction. So maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I, I was hooked from, from the start, just from reading the white paper. So I, I've read the white paper, I, I guess, 10 times. I, I couldn't believe what was there. So it, it was really the white paper, only that 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 got me into it um, and I I was amazed by the uh, elegant way that they that that Satoshi um, had to, to solve a very complex problem uh, that many people have been uh, going after for, for a long time how to make a digital scarce good um, uh, I have to say scarce <laughs> but uh, yeah, so digital scarcity—the fact that he he uh, succeeded in, in in making that with the um, computer program that he wrote, and and um, and with the hashes and the cryptography and and the proof of work—yeah, that that got me from the start. So that was the the technical part, and and immediately as an investor, you you start looking. Well, what's uh, what, what's the return? What what is something like that worth? And then. Um, even in two thousand thirteen, um, you could see the major asymmetric return risk-return profile, um, which is just like heaven for for investors. You don't see that very often, and I know the volatility and the wild swings might scare the less uh, experienced um, investor, but especially the quant investors. Uh, the, they'll know how to deal with the volatility if, if the return is big enough. And, well, if you're talking about um, Bitcoin, you're talking about an asset with an, uh, a sharp ratio uh, bigger than one. And and actually, I don't know of any other asset with a sharp ratio that's bigger than one, uh, meaning that the return uh, percentage is bigger than the... Um, the, uh, the risk percentage. And uh, to give an example, I mean, Bitcoin can can crash once in a while, and then it goes like 80 plus percent down. Uh, so that's the risk, 80%. But you get rewarded for that risk with a, on average, 200% return. Well, that's, if you, if you calculate that, and we'll talk about that later too, for sure. Um, but that's that's an amazingly good Risk return profile, so that yeah, um, so you start thinking how how to slice and dice that, how to structure that, how can we size investments that have less volatility, also less return, but keep this very juicy um, asymmetric risk return profile. So yeah, for, from a technical point of view, the invention of digital scarcity, uh, as from an um, investor point of view, the the uh, asymmetric risk return, it it was something I needed to to, to to know more about and um, and actually that that was for me that was a very easy route I I, I never touched um, uh, things I shouldn't touch I never um, got scammed or, or lo- lost bitcoins uh, I just followed the uh, the the route that the uh, the white paper uh, uh, laid down in the references there is of course Adam Beck uh, he is very active on Twitter, so I started following him. Uh, very fast, you, you can see who who he is following and 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 retweeting and stuff. So you got to uh, Nick Zabo and and um, Andreas Antonopoulos and and uh, well all the uh, all the Bitcoiners, and so so I took it from there. And um, yeah, I I think I'm I'm in it almost twenty four seven. As far as my job uh, allows it, but almost twenty four seven ever
0: since. I love it. And, and so, when you read the white paper in two thousand and thirteen, you didn't really do anything. You said until two thousand and fifteen. What were what was kind of the um, the logic behind waiting for two years? Right. So you kind of intellectually got intrigued and, and curious. Was it a price thing? Was it something else? What why, why wait?
1: Yeah, well, it isn't easy for someone to uh, buy his first Bitcoin. Uh, also for me, I had to figure out uh, wallets and uh, where to buy it and, and stuff. And and it took me about a month <laughs> to, to read and and, and, and be ready to, to buy. It was, I think, November or December. But then the, the price was already uh, up 10 times, 10x, I think in a month it was, one or two months. So it's exactly those one or two months that I needed to to prepare myself, and yeah, well, well that, um, my experience tells me that then you're a little late, and and, <laughs> and you might might better wait for some better opportunity. Uh, although I didn't have a stock to flow model or any other model at that time, um, my my gut said just just wait a little, and, and maybe this is yeah. Well, I'm I'm too late. That was basically the feeling uh where of course a, a year later in 2014 when it crashed again to um 200 uh dollars then I thought oh whoa yeah well, not okay A little, I'm, a little I'm bit just, more attractive then yeah 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 I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I didn't do it because it's dead and then it went from 100 to 200 and and uh from 200 to 300 and then I started thinking whoa it 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 went 2x from the bottom and it's rising again. This is the moment. Boom. So I went in
0: uh, Yeah, that, That's awesome. And so when you started to do that, um, obviously, uh, you've made an investment uh, in whole Bitcoin personally, but for a day job, you work at um, a fairly large institutional um, asset management firm uh, or institutional investor. But you guys, along with pretty much, you know, 90 plus percent of institutions in the world uh, have not added exposure to Bitcoin. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, that balance between your personal opinion and and risk exposure, um, or risk appetite, and then what you have to do professionally, you know, as a large institution and how you balance those two.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a very interesting topic. Uh Um, just to say up front, um, I'm not the only one who has Bitcoin in the company. I think my boss has Bitcoin. Um, um, 90% of my colleagues have Bitcoin, especially the quants, but also the investors uh, themselves. Um, and But there's a big difference between uh, investing your own money and investing uh, someone else's money, which is basically what we do professionally. Uh, if you manage someone's Pension money, um, Bitcoin is not the first thing maybe you think about. Uh, although I think that could be a very nice fit, but um, the 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 main classic assets that we uh, invest in for pension f- uh, money is of course fixed income um, assets like like uh, bonds, mortgages, uh, consumer loans. Um, everything with with interest that you need for paying the uh, the pension so, so things like especially things like like commodities gold and and Bitcoin is like that there's no dividend yield there's no return in, 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 uh, in interest um, is not a, a very logical fit and and that's I think where where a big difference is and the other thing is the capital regime the regulation so you have a, a regulator as a bank, uh, but also as a pension uh, um, company, and uh, regulators, um, a they have um, a regulation that 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 this that, that determines how much capital you have to hold for each asset class, and the more riskier the asset class, the more capital you have to hold. So uh, you know, Bitcoin isn't even on the list. Uh, so so probably. Gets the highest capital charge uh, that's there, um, which is okay because there is a return against it. But but it, it doesn't really fit that regulatory capital framework. And the and the other thing is regulators, of course, uh, the central banks we're talking about. They're they're not all that fond of Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, I think there's more. There central banks are, that are more open to Bitcoin and, and uh, crypto uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, and I think the Dutch central bank is is one of them, by the way. So they're very open, they're congresses, and they, they talk with uh, fintech companies and with pension funds and banks. They have um, uh, a very large congress every year. No, it's not every year, but it's it's once every, every, every several years, and uh, I went to one. So that there's a very open discussion with, um, with the regulator, with the central bank, but it's not an easy fit. And it's also not something that is, um, yeah, how, how do I say that? A, a good topic to to talk about <laughs> in the meetings you have with the regulator. And that, that's also one of the reasons I'm uh, uh, anonymous, because I, I don't want my Bitcoin hobby <laughs> to... Um, to be of negative impact for my uh, my current employer. And uh, yeah, the, the, the other reason of course is uh, operational security. Um, I think uh, Satoshi gave the perfect uh, example there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's by the way, one of my dreams to, uh, to be the bridge uh, between the exotic Bitcoin world as it is right now and the more traditional finance world uh, and investing world that I'm in with, uh, with my other leg. Because um, yeah, I think I'm in a perfect position to be that bridge uh, and to start those uh, discussions. So, so I'm, I've already started those, those discussions, which uh, resulted in some people buying Bitcoin themselves, just to look, just to try, just to see what the uh, asymmetric risk return profile uh, could do for them. And some are very happy, some are uh, not so happy. But everybody's learning and I think it's a matter of time before um, before you um, you see the first uh, yeah banks and, and and pension companies that have a balance sheet that that invests other people's money um, to go into into um, into Bitcoin although I do think that the first and more the first and the more easy candidates will be funds just the uh, uh, so so the asset management part of the firm that we have they they, they have funds and, and people invest in those uh, for their own risk so it's not our general account that that we bear the risk and that we have liabilities pension liabilities on that that will be the second step uh, i guess the the fund business will be first
0: got it and, and so when you think through um, some of these large institutions coming into the space, what are the arguments um, or, or kind of talking points that you find uh, are most attractive to them or kind of uh, resonate the most versus uh, maybe some that that don't actually uh, pique their interest? And, and the reason why I say that is because I think the Bitcoin um, community in general, and this is more kind of the Twitterverse, et cetera, there's so many narratives, right? Is it digital gold? Is it electronic cash? You know, could it be both? All these things. What do you find that actually gets people to pay attention, um, especially in these institutional environments?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a good question. I um, gave a presentation for the 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 whole team, including our chief investment officer, uh, at the end of the last year about Bitcoin. It was a by the two-hour presentation, one-hour presentation, and one-hour questions. Um, so, what, what, what? The the main thing in the heads is so the the the, the picture they have of Bitcoin is is uh, shaped by mainstream media and and uh, the the big financial media firms like Bloomberg. And you and I know how Bloomberg talks about Bitcoin at the moment. It, it, it's 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 it's. It's not very good. So, so they they have um, this point of view that it's it's for criminals, that the government will ban it, that it's uh, polluting the environment, and so they have a very negative uh, view. And um, I talked about well the things that we Bitcoiners talk about, um, uh, things like it's it's um, an asymmetric uh, risk uh, return profile. Um, it is an uncorrelated asset, so not not a safe haven asset or negatively correlated asset, but a uncorrelated asset, which is better in my view, because uh, safe haven assets go down where the other things go up, and this this thing goes up no matter what. Um, uh, so so uh, so that and and also um and that surprised me a little bit, the uh, futures market at the moment, if. You look at the future market uh, for gold, for example, they are in contango, meaning that the future gold price is higher than the current gold, the, the spot gold, uh, gold price, and, and this is actually something that we do, that, that we, we, we do the, the cash and carry trade um, with gold, where you buy the gold and sell it um, a month or, or a couple of months uh, later for the premium, but if you do that with gold, you get 1%, and if you look at Bitcoin and um, the futures on Bitcoin, you can earn 1% to 2% per month. So that's actually, yes, well, somewhere between 10 and 20% lately, uh, cash and carry return, so with, with very little risks, because everything is collateralized. Um, uh, so 20%, 10% to 20% cash and carry return, on your investment, and, and that got some ice pops, and, um, and, and and we had a lively discussion about that. Still, still, still having that discussion, by the way.
0: Yeah, and, and so it's really interesting because when you mention gold, um, there's a lot of work that you specifically have done um, that I think people kind of point and say, oh, that applies to assets like gold as well. Maybe let's start with um, the stock to flow model, uh, and you can kind of walk us through what is it, why does it work, um, and, and really how it works, uh, so that people that have seen the charts really can kind of get the the explanation behind it.
1: Yes, yeah. So, so what what uh, what I'm trying to do is is um, shape the Bitcoin world and the, the investment. View in in terms that we're familiar, that we as investors, uh, institutional investors, are familiar with. So uh, the sharp ratio that I already mentioned. Um, uh, but uh, the other thing that's really missing, uh, I thought that was missing, was was a fundamental model. Um, and 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 well, that that's true for gold as well a little bit because there is no fundamental valuation model for gold other than um, the cost of production of gold and and. Something similar was there for for Bitcoin as well, but uh, for me that that wasn't enough. So I I, I started actively looking for fundamental models uh, for Bitcoin, and I encountered only technical analysis models. And well, having worked at dealing rooms, technical analysis is nice, and it's it's yeah, it's kind of a language to to talk in the in the trader community, and it describes situations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they 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 don't really well. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But they don't really work well uh, all the time, and it's very difficult to at least uh, mathematically or statistically benchmark them and program them in a way that that institutional investors uh, uh, understand. Because institutional investors uh, like banks and 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 pension um, asset managers, they they, they don't. Really use the the technical analysis. Uh, so stock to flow is a yeah it's it's actually an attempt to quantify the scarcity the scarcity digital scarcity invention that Satoshi made. And um, gold was the nearest asset I could think of, and I'm, I'm following gold actively for years. Uh, actually, I am an an old gold bug before I was in Bitcoin. And uh, so, so I, I knew about stock to flow uh, as a ratio uh, of the amount of gold that's there above ground right now and, and the amount that's produced uh, every year. And, and in gold, that's 60, around 60. So, there's 60 years of production above ground. And that's really high because for all the other assets, silver, palladium, platinum, it's, it's, it's really low, even, even close to, to one. So, so not very much uh, stock. Uh, so, so I, I, I was reading um, Safinina Mus's book, uh, the Bitcoin Standard, and and that uh, he is talking about uh, stock to flow as well, but then in a Bitcoin context. So that made the click for me, like, hey, I could use the stock to flow concept. That's um, well, a familiar thing in the gold community. Uh, I can use that for Bitcoin as well, and let's see um how th- how that, how that calculates so i uh, i made the model and um calculated stock to flow for bitcoin over uh, the last years and uh and and well sort of correlated that uh, plotted that first against uh, the price and that was this very nice straight line in the uh, logarithmic uh, space so yeah, from, from there it was a small step to go to the formula that that is uh, um, uh, familiar now, um, and, and and that's the stock to flow model um, that that came out of there, and that that is actually the first time I had some anchor, some some fundamental um, statistical model that I could rely on to say something intelligent about about the price and. Um, I was very happy that this this model was was uh, uh, verified by others, uh, by many others, I might say, and especially the um, the uh, addition of co-integration that Nick uh, from Australia uh, did was was uh, was crucial because I talked about um, um, uh, yeah well, co-integration in in very different terms because I it, I noticed from the model that. Every year, the price of Bitcoin was below and above the model. It was very tied to the model. So every year, it was above and below. And and in mathematical terms, in statistical terms, it's um, you can quantify that by by co integration, which is what he added. And that was that was really. If you want to know more about that, he did an, uh, a podcast with uh, Stefan Levira lately. Uh, um, make sure you listen to that. And then later on, the model. Um, uh, when it was published it, it got some real attention and, and others verified it as well like like uh, guys like Marcel Burger from uh from Burger Capital uh, but also um Manuel von Bayern um, uh Landesbank and Mark from the uh, Gold Fund uh incrementum. So it was really I think about ten guys that, that checked the model and, and all came to the same conclusion which gave real uh, confidence um so yeah, it's uh, it. It was the thing I needed to take it seriously as a, as a professional investor, and um, and it was also something that could be replicated and and checked by others. Um, uh, yeah, well, that, that's another important thing. Um, the only thing is that that the outcome was rather well shocking. It was rather high um, because it predicted uh like you all know a, a, a 50 to 100,000 dollar bitcoin price after the next halving and and that of course uh yeah it it it, it makes you wonder why why that is why why it should be so easy to make a 10x uh, on your investment that that's normally not that that actually can't be possible uh and it also makes you wonder why the model fits as well as it does um so, so I think that's the interesting question, and and a lot of the discussion on Twitter is going about that. Uh, so, first of all, I think wh- why does stock to flow work? Yeah, be- because it measures scarcity uh, directly, uh, like gold. So you can sort of compare it with gold uh, in stock to flow terms, but also in in market cap uh, terms. And uh, the scarcer something is, the, the yeah, the more valuable it should be uh so that's that's one thing that that's the point i started with but another reason it it works very well could be the network effects that um that uh we talk about a lot within bitcoin so there is um the the network effects of of developers that more and more developers start working on bitcoin and and more and more merchants start um, buying stuff and, and, and selling stuff with uh, with Bitcoin. And uh, investors, uh, a, a number of investors keeps increasing. And then there's all sorts of network effects in markets where you have, uh, in the beginning, you didn't have uh, on-ramps and off-ramps. Now you have exchanges in every country uh, and and you have even uh, derivatives markets, future markets and, and option markets and not not very exotic ones, but, but in Chicago, CME, or in New York, the uh, bucked uh, futures. Those are very important and, and those build over time. So it could be that the stock-to-flow is is um, quantifying the underlying network effects in, in Bitcoin. Um, but, but, but another reason is, is quantitative easing is one, one of the reasons I started looking at, at Bitcoin in the first place. As long the, the the central banks have uh, uh, printed trillions of dollars since the start of Bitcoin, which is also the um, exact moment of the of the global financial crisis, of course. So they have started to to print trillions of dollars and euros and yens, and uh, this money goes somewhere. I mean, I I can see it in my day to day business. That uh, that money is used for buying bonds. Uh, that helps states, of course, but it's also used for buying mortgages, uh, and um, yeah, so 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 uh, it could be that a little bit of that money is somehow finding its way into uh, Bitcoin, and that Bitcoin measures the uh, yeah the 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 uh, increase in money supply, if you will, of all those uh, fiat currencies, and uh, yeah, I I have tweeted once that as long as the central banks keep printing, the uh, Bitcoin <laughs> keeps rising. It, it could be some truth uh, in that too. Um, and maybe a fourth point is wh- why does stuck-to-flow work? It only works if you have hodlers. So the, the hodling, of course, is a, is a term in Bitcoin that everybody uses, but it's it it it's it means that there are people that really believe in Bitcoin no matter what somehow, sometimes. So they, they stick to it. They, they they keep the Bitcoin through uh, crashes. And uh, they're the real hodlers. And you need the hodlers to create a, a high stock-to-flow uh, value, of course. Uh, it's like companies that prefer um very loyal shareholders. That that you know, if there's a crisis or something going on, they they don't immediately sell your stock and 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 split up your company and, but let you build that. If they have the vision that you have, th- those are the ideal stockholders, shareholders. And the same is true for for Bitcoin, I guess. I, think, I guess the holding, the holders and and the, the holding, the act of holding is very important and might also be something that is quantified by uh, by stock to flow
0: how much of the stock to flow model do you think that like the accuracy of it is derived from this programmatic scarcity so so scarcity is one component obviously gold and, and bitcoin um, share but the idea that the scarcity is so programmatic and predictable does that help that stock to flow model kind of hone in on the accuracy or does that not really play a part
1: yeah, I don't know I don't know it it certainly helps with a prediction of course because um it helps if if the the variable that you use to predict if is is mathematical um um thing and and uh it's it's deterministic it's it's we know stock to flow for for hundred years to come uh so that really helps with predicting uh, something that you don't have a, a stochastic variable there um so, yeah. And, and what you also see is that the uh, the uh, relationship, the co-integration is getting stronger over time. So that's very interesting and, and, and a mere recent discovery, but the co-integration is getting stronger and stronger. So it will be very interesting to see uh, how that holds uh, after next halving.
0: Yeah, and, and describe that a little bit more for those that are unfamiliar with co-integration and, and kind of how that's calculated and why it's important. Maybe just uh, unpack that a little bit. Yeah,
1: that, I think a lot of people don't understand what co-integration is, and and I don't blame them because it's a very it's one of the exotic things uh, that even if you study econometrics, you get maybe in your last year if you're lucky. Um, so co-integration, it's it's. Um, it, it, it's actually a technique from the mid '80s, so it's it's already 40 years old. Um, it was um, invented by Granger and Engel. Mister Granger and Engel got the Nobel Prize uh, for it. And uh, it 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 why did they did they come up with this co-integration formula or technique? It it, it was it was a solution for a, an economic problem that they had in the mid '80s, and that was that there was. A lot of spurious regressions. So, in the eighties, um, when when the computers, of course, uh, um, went mainstream, everybody was was running regression analysis on on economic time series, uh, macroeconomic, um, but also financial markets, and then um, yeah, you you could correlate those those time series and then uh, draw all kinds of conclusions from there. But the big problem from with with time series analysis and especially with regression is that there is there could be spurious regression. So you you find a, a correlation, uh, a very high R squared, and uh, but it says nothing. It it's just a spurious regression, and and uh, they made a lot of mistakes with that. So. Angle and Granger came up with this technique to test if the regression was spurious or not, which is very, very useful. And um, basically what they did uh, is is uh, model the difference between two trending series. And by trending series, I mean time series that go up or down, that are non-stationary, as we like to say. So for example, stock-to-flow is something that goes up all the time. You know that. And and um, so it's it's trending up. And the same is true for, for the price of Bitcoin. So, so uh, stock to flow and Bitcoin are both trending up. And if you run a regression on those series, you, you always find a very nice fit and a high correlation. But most of the time, that correlation is spurious. So what, in fact, you should do is... Test for co-integration, and um, and if you find co-integration, uh, then you know it's it's not spurious. So w- what is co-integration? Co-integration is the difference between two trending um, uh, series, and um, if so so for example the stock to flow model has 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 this this uh, step function that that we all know and and bitcoin is is uh, is moving around that but it stays very close to the uh, to the model value and what you do is you analyze the difference between the model value and the actual bitcoin value and if that difference is stationary um which means it 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 um it is sort of uh, it's it's normally this. It, actually, if you look at the at the residuals of of the stock to flow model, it's it's uh, it's a normal, very nice normal distribution of the errors of the residuals, and um, so so yeah, it, it, they stay together, and that's that's what it is. Um, the popular story that goes with it is the the story of the the drunk and the dog. Um, so the, the drunk is, is walking, um, uh, in, in a random way cause he's drunk and his dog is also uh, walking in a random way, but they're connected with the leash. So the difference between, although they're both walking, uh, uh a random walk, if you will, uh, the difference between the drunk and the dog is, uh, stationary is, is sometimes high, sometimes, uh, small, but, but it. There's a relation in the So they are co-integrated. And uh, yeah, how, how do you cal- calculate it? Y- you need a special um, statistic package uh, for that. So that could be R or Stata or eViews. Uh, but you can also do it in Excel if you know what to do. And um, yeah, I have a tweet about that, but it's quite technical. But you can do it in Excel as well. You just have to measure... Um, the distance between the two, uh, between the model values and the actual values, and 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 run a regression on that one. So, yeah, um, obviously, stock to flow and Bitcoin price are co-integrated, Um and 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 that means it is not spurious; it's real. Um, and all other models that I know, all other time series um, that I know, uh, are not co-integrated. So that's, that's a very important finding. I looked at hash rate. I looked at difficulty at time, at, at well, every uh, the number of accounts, the number of active addresses, the number of Bitcoins. They all show a very nice regression. They all have a very nice R squared, but none of them are co-integrated. So they're all spurious except stock-to-flow. And that is the real importance of stock-to-flow, uh, uh, of co-integrated uh, stock-to-flow and Bitcoin price.
0: Got it. And then when when you think about the stock to flow and co integration, how does this uh intersect with this uh this efficient market um that you've been kind of talking about recently and, and looking at?
1: Yeah. 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 That uh, I got a lot of critique, of course. Uh <laughs> and and that's good. That's why I put it out there and didn't keep it for myself and uh and trade on it or invest in it. So the critique was was uh, well uh, there's no demand in there and uh, or it goes to infinity or or there's only two half things it, it does does it doesn't work for altcoins et cetera et cetera um, th- th- those critiques are not very strong i think uh we we um we argued about those a lot and 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 i think they're debunked uh, all but but i I don't know if this is not the, the time to to <laughs> to to, uh, to talk about those, but the efficient market hypothesis is, I think, the steelman argument against the model. If I were to uh, to argue against stock to flow, I would argue the efficient market hypothesis uh, argument. Uh, what it says is um, that if free money doesn't exist, so so there's no free there's no free lunch, and um, and the fact that you uh, you use information that's out there out there in the public and a formula that is that is publicly known means that everybody knows it or the market knows it at least and and that that could not be a source of that could not be um, a profitable thing because it's out in the open and there's uh, theoretically actually three uh, variants of the efficient market hypothesis. One is the weak variant that says you cannot use price data alone, so univariate uh, data, to um, predict the price of anything. So you cannot use historical data of Bitcoin to predict Bitcoin. That's the weak form of efficient market hypothesis. And it basically says that technical analysis cannot add value. I think most investors, economists, agree that, that's true so the weak form of efficient market hypothesis is true then there's the strong form of of, of efficient market hypothesis at the other end and that says yeah if you have inside information for example about a merger of a company that can be used for making money and making profits and and that's also why that is uh, illegal to use in for inside information um and it's important to note that not everybody needs to know this inside information even if there's one or, or a couple of people knowing this information they will buy or sell whatever that information uh, implies and they will move the price with that buying and selling so most investors and economists believe, also believe in the strong uh, efficient market hypothesis and where uh, but where it gets fuzzy is in the in in the third Variant of the efficient market hypothesis uh, that is the semi strong um, um, efficient market hypothesis, and that tells you that even so, not insider information and not uh, price information, but fundamental information, multivariate models uh, like the stock to flow model, um, it cannot be used to make a profit. In the markets, because all that information is already publicly known. Um, so yeah, th- that's where the discussion is a little bit: is is stock to flow uh, publicly known, or is it known to um, very few people, and is it sort of inside information? Uh, to be honest, and 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 of course the the. The discussion is then: Is it priced in? Is is for example the halving that we will have uh, in May uh, this year, and 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 they predict a 10x um, increase in price uh, uh, by the stock to flow model. Is that priced in or not? And in my view, that is th- that th- that semantics. It's um, the efficient market hypothesis is a misnomer. Uh, actually, it's it's not a hypothesis. It's not testable. You cannot apply statistics to it. So um, if we're doing semantics, I would say, and I did in the article that I wrote, yes, um, I think the the stock-to-flow model is priced in because it is built on um, Stock to flow information that's publicly known, and the formula is also out there, and and like inside information, not everybody needs to know it. But if if like one percent of my followers knows it, or some bigger investors know it, uh, well, you know it, <laughs> so and I know it, so we we will use that information to move the market, um, and um, so so in that way, it's priced in, um, but. But again, I think it's semantics, and I'd rather talk about uh, something else uh, that we also professionally talk about, and that's risk. We actually, I we, we, we never talk about the efficient market hypothesis uh, wh- when we invest professionally. We just assume it's there if it's a reasonably efficient and big market, like I think Bitcoin is, with 100 billion uh, plus market cap, futures markets, etc., etc. Um, I also show that in the article, that it's it's uh, it's pretty efficient if you look at uh, foreign exchange rates and, and, and Bitcoin. So if you assume an efficient market, then it's much better to just look at the risks, and are those risks, are they priced um, in in a right way? Um, and there's a couple of models for that, um, capital asset pricing model, the Black and Scholz, uh, option pricing model, um, that, that, that can be used, but basically it means uh, that, the uh, okay, the stock-to-flow model with its high prediction and its major opportunity is is known and is priced in, but there's also all sorts of risks that people see, that the market sees, that investors see, that are also priced in. And uh, uh, Some of those risks are, for example, the government ban that all my colleagues are afraid of, or the, the futures manip- manipulation. That's something that that a lot of people on on uh, in, in Twitter talk about, or uh, the Mount Gox uh, or, or plus token scam uh, people selling uh, pressure that that that's a big risk, or minor capitulation. It's a, it's a, re, uh, a a returning risk or, or narrative every time there's a halving, and right now, of course, there's the the coronavirus risk that everybody is talking about. So. Um, so what I did—it <laughs> that's actually quite quite interesting. I um, I did some polls the last uh, months. I did three polls. The first poll was uh, three months ago. I asked what is the biggest risk you see, and uh, more than fifty percent said it's the futures, uh, manip- manipulation through futures, and futures were introduced uh, at the top of the market, the all-time high in December two thousand seventeen. So futures, yeah, stock to flow, it might have worked in the past, but now we have futures and doesn't work anymore in the future. That's a real risk that some people see. Then a month later, I did the same uh, poll and another risk popped up at first. And uh, and that was the US introducing draconical uh, regulation uh, and laws uh, on Bitcoin or the threat that they would do that. And that was the... uh, um, that was Münchin. Uh, I think he he uh, he threatened uh, with, with draconical Bitcoin laws. So everybody was afraid of that. The futures were in the second place. And right now, if you if you do the poll right now, everybody is afraid of the coronavirus. And um, the virus is of course a big risk. But uh, it shows you that uh, there is a, a, a recency bias in the risks. So. Whatever risk is 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 recent and 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 uh, a big thing now, people overreact to that. So, so, so in the end, if to to wrap that up, I think the efficient efficient market hypothesis, um, is is yeah, it, it's semantics. You better look at risks, and and then if we look at the risks, I think the stock to flow model might be a little bit under. Um, estimated or there might be an underreaction to stock to flow. And there might be a little overreaction to the risks that we see around us, uh, like futures and, and laws and, uh, and the coronavirus.
0: Got it. And so I recently had Raul Paul come on the podcast and he really broke down um, a situation where, uh, you know, at a minimum, there's a global recession and slowdown at a maximum, uh, something that looks more like a depression. Um, and maybe let's not spend time debating the merits of you know, what happens, but just in a scenario where there is some sort of slowdown in uh, the economy uh, on a global scale, Bitcoin has really existed in the longest bull market in history. How do you look at kind of that macro environment and any changes there? Uh, impacting stock to flow, the price of Bitcoin, um, or, or any of the things that you've been looking at that have kind of uh, continued to line up, but but could they change in the in those scenarios where there's an economic slowdown?
1: Mm, yeah, uh, that's a big question. What what Bitcoin will do in an economic slowdown? Because we didn't have that uh, last ten years. So Bitcoin was, of course, created at the height of the uh, global financial crisis as a result of the. Uh, a global financial crisis. Um, and and uh, yeah, so we haven't had a crisis to test it on, but I think that um, it will be a bit, it might be a bit similar to the internet so that um, the internet of course was built as a uh, protocol, a communications protocol that, that kept working under um enormous uh in wars in nuclear wars, so if a whole continent was was taken out then how does the message go go from a to b and it was this peer to peer decentralized network and um and the protocol that that uh, reroutes the messages around um uh, nodes that that have been taken out um and that, but that was messages and and Bitcoin is a bit like that. At least that's that's how I see it. It's very decentralized. There's there's hundred thousand nodes, ten thousand relaying nodes uh, around the world. So even if if there's really big crisis where people die, uh, like a nuclear war, or where where something else uh, happens that people cannot go to work or cannot go to yeah uh, leave their house um then who is who is going to maintain the um the central bank systems who who's who's going to print the money if you will create the money because it's all di- digital but who's who's going to operate swift network who's who's going to make um the atm's running and put money in the atm's and 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 all that stuff so so there's a whole network of companies and people uh, and costs as well, um, related to the current financial system. And um, I guess in a situation like that, uh, it, it doesn't matter what happens, Bitcoin will relay transactions, it will keep working. Um, even, even if all the nodes on earth are gone, because there's also notes in the space, there's satellites with uh, Bitcoin with the whole with all the uh, Bitcoin transactions and that can relay transactions. So, yeah, if you ask me, I think Bitcoin is made for a situation like that.
0: Yeah, it's super interesting because it's one of these um, things when we go and talk to the institutional uh, investors, uh, particularly in the United States, um, the non-correlation to other assets and, and kind of this belief that it can be that chaos hedge, um, has been something that has resonated, but to your point, um, you know, th- there's been this bull market that has kind of raged on, um, and, and obviously we see now uh, the central banks are going to do everything they can to keep that going. Um, but but it's definitely an interesting uh, thought process, I think. Um, but ultimately, we're going to see what happens at some point.
1: You know, you know what's also very interesting, and and I I'm, and maybe maybe that's a question for you because it must be very. Difficult for Americans to understand, to really understand what it is to live in a country where where there's negative interest rates. For for example, in, in my country and in Germany, the whole uh, yield curve from 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 one month to 30 years is below zero. There's there's no interest. So you pay money if you <laughs> if you invest. And that's that's a real situation. And uh, in America, you read about it, but you don't. Feel it. It's uh, it's the only country where uh, where the yield curve is is still positive, and um, yeah, you, you see that turning south uh, rapidly, of course, uh, recently. Uh, but but what if the the U.S. is uh, is going sub zero with their uh, interest rates, and there will no not be any country with with the positive interest rates uh, left? Um, what I see around me is that people get personally very interested in bitcoin if they see that they get negative interest rates on their on their money at the bank which happens in germany and and happened in in uh, in the netherlands It's actually the the day after uh, the the press release that that the banks go negative interest rates i get calls from people how to invest in bitcoin so <laughs> That will be very, very interesting if that situation will, will um, sooner or later be, be, uh, be also true for the uh, U.S.
0: For sure. And, and it seems like, uh, I think I was reading earlier today that um, the market's now pricing 100% probability that the Federal Reserve's going to cut rates uh, in about two weeks here. Um, there was an over 80% probability they would cut rates again at the next rate cut. Um, And so, you know, you get two rate cuts here. It's highly likely that the U.S. will be at or near zero, um, you know, the next six weeks or so. And then from there, uh, I think you get this really interesting world with um, it is unlikely that they will uh, want to go negative, but they may have to join the rest of the world. Right. And, And kind of what happens there in the United States is kind of defended zero to some degree um yeah i think yeah. it's a weird weird place to be
1: yeah absolutely and and especially your president uh, donald trump has of course uh, made some some nice statements about that that he wants some of that uh, juicy negative interest rate money
0: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> it looks like he's going to, to get it
0: <laughs> yeah it, it, it's um it's pretty crazy so let, let me ask this. What What is, um, in your opinion, uh, as we look at Bitcoin and a lot of these statistical models, um, I think you and I are very similar in our belief uh, in kind of Bitcoin as a system and how it's designed uh, and what the potential for it is. But what would you say the biggest risk is right now um, for Bitcoin? You know, So if it didn't work uh, or didn't succeed, what would you say was the most likely reason that would be the outcome?
1: Oh that's a difficult question. Um yeah, I, I do think that, that um a, a states, uh, nation states, especially the US, um is a big risk because um other countries and, and actually today uh, India, for example, and South Korea and Germany simultaneously um uh, got got a little bit um more uh positive uh, legally uh with 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 bitcoin um but the us is not moving in that direction so very drastic tax laws very aggressive anti money laundering and, and 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 terror financing uh checks so I, I guess it will be most difficult for the us to give up the reserve currency uh, status uh in the end that will be that might be Become a, a very nasty uh, fight, uh, so so I think that's 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 a very big risk. But you see, at the same time, other countries uh, maybe taking advantage of that situation and uh, opening their markets and be very clear uh, legally uh, about Bitcoin and giving it a, giving it a place as a regular uh, asset. So uh, that's a risk. The future markets. I don't really see as a risk. I, I mean, I see it as an opportunity and as a network effect that, that strengthens uh, Bitcoin because, yeah, well, you know, as, as a miner, you're you're very happy with future markets because you can um, take the volatility out of your revenue stream. You can sell uh, the, the, the Bitcoins that you, you expect to mine for the next, well, six months uh, at least, and you can sell them on the future markets and don't have that, that that exchange risk, um, if you convert it to dollars, and so you can do that with futures, and and the buyers of those futures are of course the uh, the funds that don't want to hassle with the keys and 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 the storage and 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 uh, insurance. So there is a bit of a premium, uh, as you can see. Uh, the future markets are in contango, and I think they're a very natural place where miners and and uh trackers and funds meet each other uh of course there is room for for uh governments that same governments that don't like uh, bitcoin to um suppress the price to manipulate the price like well i think it's now a fact that they did that with gold but on the other hand it's a very Manipulation with 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 derivatives like futures is, in, in my view, it's it's uh, it's like pushing a ball under the water. You you can do that temporarily, but not all the time. And it it and you can you can do it long, but you get tired, and then it goes up. And you see, for example, with futures, uh, with the spoofing, they of course they 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 um, they hit the the price down, but but it made an opportunity for real believers in gold to buy the 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 actual. Physical gold, and and you've seen for years and years that all the physical gold is going to the east, is going to China and India, etc., etc., and that's where it is right now. So, so yeah, in in the end, you'll you lose if you if you manipulate uh, the market. You can do that temporarily, but not all the time. So I don't think that is a big big risk. Coronavirus, of course, yeah, is a big risk now. But we, well, yeah uh we we've had viruses last last 10 years like the the swine flu and and, and mers and, and 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 there was another one i'm not a doctor i cannot assess the risk really well uh for sure it will have an economic impact but um uh, yeah if you look at it from an investment point of view it, it it it's also very probable that we overestimate overreact to the to this this risk uh so I think in the end what what the question that you have to answer as an investor or a potential investor in 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 Bitcoin is, okay, there's all those risks on the one hand, and there's a well, sort of fundamental model or value uh, on the other hand, stock to flow or whatever um, and And what is the chance what what do you really think? The, the the valuation model, the stock to flow model, has a ninety percent of failure. So even if it, if there is a ten percent chance that it that it that it's right, uh, regardless of all the risks there are, but if there is a ten percent chance that the 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 Bitcoin value will go to ten to two hundred thousand, then it it might be an in an interesting bet already. And and I think those are the numbers that we. Uh, We have to uh, uh, weigh, Uh, everybody has to do that in in context of his own risk preference, but 10% (laughs) success uh, chance, I think that's, I think chances are higher than that.
0: I tend to agree. (laughs) I definitely (laughs) tend to agree. I I really appreciate you taking the time to to do this. Um, You you have... uh, some of the most clarity in, uh, in your thought process that I've seen in the space. And then obviously given your background um, it's super cool to kind of see you balancing that the personal um, you know, interest and, and uh, frankly belief uh, with the institutional and kind of professional uh, work that you do. Um, so first of all, just from everyone, I think in, in the Bitcoin community, thank you. <laughs> uh, the work you've done with the stock to flow and stuff has been uh, incredible. Um, and then uh, you know, if people can uh, wanna get in t- contact with you or find you, is Twitter the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, Twitter, uh, I'm on Twitter, so that's plan B at 100 trillion US dollars. Uh, and and, um, and I'm on, um, uh, what is it, uh, GitHub. So there are all the data and, and the articles uh, and also the models, the formula, they're all open source. So if people like to play with them themselves. Please be my guest. And if you have questions, uh, please re- reach out.
0: Hey, everyone, Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, Simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.